Hello and welcome to the PSG Think Big series podcast. In today's podcast, Alicia Seckham speaks to Michael Sachs about social grants and in particular, the future of the Special Relief of Distress Grant instituted by government during the COVID-19 pandemic. Without any further delay, it's over to Alicia. Welcome to the Think Big series brought to you by PSG. I'm Alicia Seckham and before we get into today's session, perhaps a bit of background. The Think Big series is a collection of dialogues with leading speakers and what it aims to do is bring its audiences independent insights that help them formulate their own opinions on some of our country's most pressing issues. Now, the social media campaign is hashtag ThinkBigPSG, so jump onto that because the series is free, shareable, and open to anyone interested, whether you're a PSG client or not. In today's session, I talk to Michael Sachs. Michael is adjunct professor at the Southern Center for Inequality Studies at the University of the Witwatersrand. He leads the center's public economy project, which is a research program on fiscal policy and public finance. He teaches at the WITS School of Economic and Finance and then serves as deputy chair of the Finance and Fiscal Commission as well. This is an independent constitutional body that advises government. Now, Michael also worked for many years in public policy and political strategy in South Africa. He is a former head of the budget office at National Treasury. And we're talking to Michael today about the future of a basic income grant in South Africa. This, as the debate rages on, should the social relief distress grant become a permanent line item on the national budget? Well, while there is a social, moral, and historical imperative, it will come at a cost that will require additional fiscal and policy trade-offs. So far, we've had uh, the president extend the 350 Rand SRD grant by another year, and that affording the finance minister the ability to kick any financing decisions down the road. But the president has said that in the interim, government will be engaging in broad consultations to identify the best options to replace the grant in the form of a universal basic income grant. It's been labeled the big elephant in the room. It's a big contentious issue, Michael Sachs, that seems to have set politics and economics on a collision course. What's your reading? of the room President Ramaphosa and Finance Minister Inokorangwana are in right now? Well, I would say uh, that uh, we, we all have to kind of accept that it's going to be impossible to withdraw what has already been offered. So, uh, and this uh, offer was made in a context of a national emergency in the COVID crisis, where millions of people were thrown into unemployment. And the president or the government extended this 350 Rand grant. And uh, it's been there for two years now. And uh, the Minister of Finance and the president have announced uh, it's extended for a third year. And of course, each year that it's extended, it's more difficult to withdraw it because people change their behavior and become more and more dependent on it. Uh, and so I think we are at a point where uh, the, the, the bar has been raised to this minimum level. And really the question is, how will the grant evolve into the future, number one, in terms of its structure and design? 
And number two, how will it be financed? Uh, in other words, what tax increases will be required uh, to ensure that it is sustainably financed? And of course, those two issues are connected because depending on how you design it, uh, the tax bill will be different. Before we get into the evolution of this, let's take a look at the two arguments, because on the one hand, Michael, we've got the argument that the basic income grant is a viable possibility, right? On the other, that we need to return government finances to a sustainable path, and this is not the way to get us on track. The finance minister is saying as much. We cannot plan permanent expenditure of short-term increases, uh, you know, in in revenue that risks worsening the fiscal deficit. So which or whose camp are you in right now? Well, maybe neither, because, um, I mean, first of all, to just say something about fiscal sustainability. We are in an unsustainable fiscal position, uh, and we have been for some time. And there's a need to, to fix this chronic fiscal crisis because it is a headwind that is preventing further growth and development of the economy. And, and so, so I agree with that camp. But uh, fiscal sustainability is not something that you can attribute to any particular program. I used the analogy some time ago that this is not going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, the, the, the COVID SRD grant. Uh, indeed, the camel is hardly able to walk. It's, it's exhausted and it's lying in the gutter. So putting on another straw on its back doesn't really make a very big difference either way. So I would say certainly it doesn't help. It adds a new spending pressure, but the underlying reason for the unsustainable fiscal position is because South Africa is not growing. And combined with that growth, we have made a series of policy decisions that move, that expand the fiscus and expand the obligations of, of government to spend rather than moving in the other direction. So certainly there are, two, there are two issues here in a sense. I think on the one hand, the fiscus is in an unsustainable position and that requires rethinking policy across the board. On the other hand, this COVID social relief of distress grant is now in effect a done deal and uh, it's gonna be impossible to withdraw. So rather than saying, should we have it or should we not have it? We should rather be discussing how should it be designed and what are the, the parameters that define it? Having said that, Michael, you've made no bones about the fact that Ramaphosa is staking his political future on the permanence of this grant. Is that why he referenced the 350 rand saved over nine months that saw a man open an ice cream business in his recent Sona address? Well, uh, I suppose so. Um, I, I would say that this is, rather than him staking his future on this grant, I wouldn't quite characterize it like that. What I would rather say is, if you expect him to, having now gone down this path where there, was, there is a grant, had we, there was a moment at which the grant was withdrawn. And then we saw the, the violence that took place in July uh, 2021. And immediately following that violence, the grant was reinstated. And uh, the political costs of withdrawing the grant will be huge. So rather than seeing it as uh, the grant is his weapon to get reelected, I don't quite see it like that. Rather, I would say 
if you if you withdraw the grant, you're going to give him a big political he headache, which is going to risk. Uh, it, it's going to hand a, a political gift to his opponents in society, but more particularly in the ANC, because it will cause social distress uh, that could be mobilized against him. So I think we find ourselves in a position politically where it will be impossible to withdraw the grant. Are we not at risk of creating a very dependent state here, a very dependent social economy? Well, I don't think that the argument that grants read dependency are, are very strong, and particularly in not, South, not in South Africa's case. We have a situation of mass unemployment in South Africa that has been with us for uh, 30 years and more. And it's, it's hard to envisage, even if we had a process of growth and development, it's hard to envisage a South African economy that provides employment for the whole population. So whether, and, and a 350 grant, uh, uh, surely I'm sure all of us would agree, is really a bare minimum contribution to somebody's subsistence. Uh, so whether uh, giving this grant will then mean that people don't offer themselves in the labor market or decide not to work and, and those kind of things, I don't think those are very strong arguments, quite frankly. In fact, if we look at the other grants that we have, the child support grants and the old age grant, there's quite a lot of evidence. And internationally, there's quite a lot of evidence to show that the extension of these cash payments actually enables more people to participate in the labor market. Because if you think about it, if you're in a township somewhere far away from a city center and you don't have money to get a taxi to go to, to, to look for work in town, now that you have this money, perhaps you have this opportunity. So there's a whole lot of evidence globally and in South Africa that shows small cash payments of this nature uh, encourage people to actually uh, offer themselves to participate in the labor market. Uh, they have positive consequences for education and healthcare, which both of which uh, encourage development of society and the expansion of labor. So. I don't think those arguments are strong, to be honest. Okay, we're going to get into the design then, because I know this is where the crux of the issue lies, right? But before we get there, when it comes to this quantum, like you say, we've got 350 land already in play. Is that as far as it can go on a more sustained uh, basis? I mean, what extended parameters would be viable, if any? Well, I think the way to think about this is that it's a choice. It's, there's no uh, technically, uh, you know, technical barrier to you increasing the value of the grant. Uh, the barrier is simply that uh, whatever increase in the value of the grant you offer, that is going to imply an increase in taxation. So the question is not so much how big can the grant be. The question is how far can we go in raising taxes? We already have quite high levels of taxation in South Africa, as I'm sure you know. And uh, raising taxes has negative implications for, for growth and job creation uh, at some limit. And therefore, really, the issue is not... Uh, so the important thing for me is from the outset to very strongly link the uh, provision of the grant with taxation. And everybody should be clear that increasing the value of the grant means raising taxes, because the real danger we have going forward is that you will have every election you go into, populist politicians will uh, demand 
uh, an increase in this grant. And over time, it will increase rapidly from this uh, very small uh, uh, level to something that is not reasonable to sustain out of tax increases. Okay, so we're, we're forced then to home in on the implications of tax increases here. Are there any measures of tax reform that could or should be considered, you know, withdrawing tax breaks, for example, or taxes that could be levied more innovatively? So uh, what we have to do here, uh, which, which economists always do, is distinguish between the long term and, and maybe the short to medium term. In the long term, you can consider uh, new innovative means of taxation, fundamental restructuring of the tax system, maybe the introduction of new types of taxes, such as wealth taxes that people have proposed. But uh, kind of history suggests that those types of innovations uh, should be approached cautiously and incrementally. In other words, you don't want, if you're going to have a tax shock, you don't want to combine both a large tax increase with an entirely new tax that has never been tested before. Uh, so in the short to medium term, you would have to essentially re rely on your existing taxes. And there's really only two, in my view, that, that uh, are candidates for raising the quantum of resources that are required for this basic income grant or this basic income support. You know, the basic income grant has a particular definition. And that's why I prefer to talk about basic income support, because I'm not sure what, whether, whether what we have is a basic income grant. Uh, so so um, VAT and personal income tax are the kind of tried and tested means that government can raise revenue. The other big tax revenue source is corporate income tax. The problem with corporate income tax is that it is very cyclical. It moves up and down and doesn't uh, uh, with the rate of profit. And it doesn't provide a consistent flow of resources that are needed to sustain uh, this type of grant, which shouldn't go up and down over the business cycle, which would have a fixed uh, kind of quantity. So we would be uh, need to look at some combination of an increase in personal income tax and VAT. And really, uh, the, the, the question from a tax policy point of view is, how uh, strongly do you load the tax increases onto the most affluent uh, South Africans versus how, to what extent do you broaden the tax base and ask a broader base of citizens to, to contribute towards the grant? Now, uh, many people instinctively say that the former is better, and there are many senses in which it is better. It's more progressive, it's more redistributive. The problem is, is that the smaller your tax base is, the easier it is for that tax base to be eroded. So over time, if you load all of the tax increase on the top 1% of the population, uh, that top 1% of the population have the resources at their disposal to move their money and even themselves uh, into other places. And so your tax base can get eroded very fast. So you need uh, a, a, an approach like VAT because it is so broadly based. Every time somebody buys something in a the shop, they, buy, they pay VA, VAT. The tax base would not get eroded so quickly. So you need some balance between 
the objective of progressivity and redistribution on the one hand, and a broad and reliable tax base on the other hand. And so I expect in the short to medium term, and Treasury signaled this very strongly in the recent budget review, that uh, VAT and personal income tax are really uh, the instruments that are going to have to take uh, the financing burden of this new grant. When it comes to government's approach, uh, very often though, Michael, it's the low-hanging fruit that uh, they go after because uh, it's deemed to be the easier route to be taking. I mean, what kind of risk are you pricing? And if this, uh, this road is ventured down, that we, it could work to stunt growth. So there's no uh, direct relationship between, uh, or, or you know, there's the, the, the relationship between growth and tax increases is complicated. There are societies in the world with very high levels of tax that don't have any problem growing their economy. Uh, in Europe, there are many of them. And as they have raised the level of tax, they have also managed to sustain a process of growth and development. On the other hand, there uh, are probably examples that you could look to of very high taxes deterring investment, deterring job creation, deterring, deterring growth. So it's a complicated question uh, for which there is no uh, simple answer. Again, I would say that uh, uh, a lot depends on how you design the taxes, but growth is not simply an outcome of a tax policy. So the, 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 the central most important constraint on growth in the South African economy today, in my view, is the insufficient supply of electricity. Uh, and so if you were able to address that in a decisive way, address the energy supply in a de decisive way, announce a package of programs credibly that can drive growth and investment in various sectors of the economy, such as broadband and others, and at the same time have a small increase in VAT and PIT, uh, it's quite possible to imagine a situation where you have increasing taxes and increasing growth at the same time. Are we asking for too much, Michael? I mean, we've been beating this drum about the need for overall structural reform in order to get this economy for the longest uh, while now. And uh, when it comes to the kind of uh, trade-offs, for example, or the real economic concessions that need to make a social compact like this work, we've got a government that's been pretty silent on those, on those metrics or measures that would need to possibly be adopted. Indeed, the, the, we, we have a political problem where the, uh, and, and I think, you know, you can, you can put it at the door of the president, but in a sense, whether we like it or not, we have uh, a democracy in which everybody's views count and people are able to mobilize behind their views on the one hand. And then we have an economy and a society that is very polarized and divided and very unequal. And it's not uncommon in those situations, the combination of democracy and very high levels of inequality, that you generate a political system which is unable to reach consensus or unable to, to that, that continuously faces a logjam of different interest groups uh, battling one another. And I think this is what we have in South Africa. The, 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 and, and so I don't really envisage a situation where we overcome that problem in the short term. 
to me, the answer to that is that we need to be very clear about, uh, the, as you say, the low-hanging fruit, the things that we can do. And we need a government that is able to focus on one or two uh, issues. And as I've said, I would say the, 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 the big issue is the energy supply and the, and the transformation of electricity supply. That we need a government to be zeroing in on the one issue and really putting all of its political capital on negotiating the trade-offs that have to be made there in order to take us forward. So I, I, I think, of course, we, we can always remain hopeful, uh, but we are not going to suddenly uh, see South Africa turn into Singapore. Yeah. Is uh, borrowing uh, as an option just off the table, given our debt position, Michael, because we know, you know, high interest rates on government debt are a hurdle to fixed in, uh, investment and more debt will crowd out investment spending, which is needed for growth enhancing infrastructure like electricity supply. So it's important, to, again, to distinguish between short and medium term dynamics and the long term position. So if you look into ahead into the short to medium term, I mean, there is a role for borrowing. There is already massive borrowing uh, uh, taking place every week, every day. Treasury borrows huge quantities of money. And it, you, you can't really say that there should be no more borrowing. Uh, so and, and over in a, in a sense of a medium term macroeconomic dynamic, it's quite possible, for instance, to... Uh, extend this uh, grant, this small grant. Remember, it, also the expenditure has positive impacts for demand in the economy. And some of the modeling that's been done shows that the positive impact of, of demand stimulus coming from this kind of grant will more than offset the uh, expenditure. And so that you would actually, in a short to medium run sense, have a, a, a less borrowing. Uh, if you extend the expenditure. So that's a kind of medium term dynamic uh, of the macroeconomy. However, if you look over the long term, and the, the, the easiest way to do this is, is look backwards into history, uh, there is no country that finances permanent social uh, welfare services by borrowing. All of the countries that have high transfers, high payments through social grants, fund them through high taxes. Uh, and so in a long term, so in a short to medium term sense, there may be a role for borrowing, but eventually you will have to uh, back the expenditure with a structural increase in taxation. And surely all of this hinging on the fact that it comes hand in hand with economic reforms that we've been begging for. Well, this is the thing, really. Uh, if we, so South Africa's uh, economy has been stagnating. Our GDP per capita has been uh, falling for almost a decade now, since around 2012 was the last time it grew, before 2012. So the economy has been stagnating. GDP per capita has been falling. Unemployment has been rising. And this grant doesn't directly solve any of those problems. It has a great many positive uh, consequences uh, that we shouldn't uh, lose sight of. So the impact that the grant will have on something, for example, like hunger, the level of hunger in society will be dramatic and direct and important. On the other hand, it's not gonna on itself generate a process of growth, job creation and development. And without that process, our financing of our current fiscal position is not going to be sustainable. So it's really important 
uh, I, I don't know if we need, I don't think we need to counterpose these two things. It's possible to have growth and have the grant and have the high taxes. Uh, uh, it might be more difficult, but it is possible. Uh, and we need to focus on the, the reforms to society and the economy that will generate that growth. Michael, I've got to ask, though, where do your confidence levels sit when it comes to getting change through fast enough if something like, uh, you know, uh, the basic income grant comes into play? And I guess what I'm asking is how much complacency risk are you factoring in that this could lessen government's commitment to fiscal outcomes and to implement policies and structural reform? Because it provides almost an easy way out by placating a chunk of the population. Well, I would, I would look at it even more broadly than that, actually. I don't think it's a question of simply the government not being under pressure. I mean, if the government has been complacent, uh, one might want to ask, is it possible for them to become more complacent than they already are? I'm not sure. Um, uh, in the sense that we've had 25, 30 years of mass unemployment and poverty and, uh, and these kind of things. What my worry would be as a, as a path down which we go is that I, in my view, the, 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 the factors that hold back South African growth and development have a lot to do with inequality and the division of society into separate worlds. You remember many years ago, uh, uh, Tabo Mbeki spoke of two economies and two societies. And uh, I see us moving further down that path in the sense that you see affluent South Africans moving faster and faster into kind of segregated communities, gated communities with their own security, with their own education system, with their own uh, health system, um, with their own pension system that is separate from the rest of the population. And I think that the, the, in order to be a growing society, you need to be a common society. You need to be together. And in a sense, the whole logic of the defeat of apartheid was to create this common society. And we hope that that would generate growth and development. Now, if we have a grant of this nature, or if we expand social grants, does this transform the underlying conditions in society? And it may be that, firstly, it doesn't transform those underlying conditions, but it actually creates a complacency, not in government, but in society that, well, I pay my taxes, we've paid over a grant, therefore, there's no need for transformation, there's no need for, to, to include more people in the economy, there's no need to look at the restructuring of the health system and the education system, and, and we can just proceed dive, uh, dividing ourselves into two. And I think that would be very dangerous. I know that we focus on, you know, the, the best case scenarios, but if we, we flip over and focus on a worst case scenario, do we potentially go as far as saying that this would be a quick political win that could well jeopardize the survival of states, you know, that will walk us into a failed state scenario? Uh, look, I don't think the grant itself is would would uh, kind of encourage state failure. It is concerning that, uh, to the extent that the state is is becoming weaker, that again you can get a dynamic where people there, there are two dynamics I would worry about. The first is 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 kind of what I've mentioned already, which is a populist dynamic that simply 
as we go into each election, uh, as politicians struggle to find something positive to offer people, this becomes an easy route that you just say, well, if you vote for me, I will increase the value of the grant. And you don't explain to people that that's going to mean increases in taxation. And therefore, you begin, there's a ratcheting up effect that is too rapid for society to handle. That's the one worry. The other worry for me is that there's, a, there's an argument, there's a, there's a kind of uh, a right, well, you know, the first person to suggest a, a basic income grant was Milton Friedman, who is known to be a right-wing economist in the US. And uh, his logic was that, why do we waste uh, a society's resources with a public sector that provides healthcare, that provides education, that provides policing? Why don't we just give people money and then they can buy the healthcare, they can buy the policing, they can buy the, the, the education on the free market. And I worry that in our context, where there is legitimate concern about corruption and waste in the public sector, the grant could lead to a dynamic that takes us down that kind of path where we think, well, maybe we should spend less and less and less on public education and just give people more money in, uh, in the form of a grant and they will buy uh, their own education. I think that would be very dangerous uh, for the reasons I mentioned earlier is that you're, you're, you're heading uh, more rapidly towards a divided society rather than a common society. And it's only through the public sector that we can really create this common uh, solidarity across society and build uh, something that belongs to all of us. Well, Michael, this is no doubt going to be an interesting year ahead, a year of vociferous debate uh, where we try and reconcile, I guess, the plight with a strained budget, uh, with a lot of decision making that needs a political will, as you are quite emphatic about, you know, political courage to execute. Thanks so much for your time uh, today and for sharing your insights with us and to our audience. Thank you for joining us. And this uh, webinar is going to be available via podcast, so do engage with it and share. And of course, we welcome your feedback. So do communicate with us and look out for the next speaker in the Think Big series as well. So bye for now.